getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to the Mile High Mailback episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him as a lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He's also being a, he's going to serve as a columnist at Mile High Huddle henceforth. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, how's your week on, my friend? It's been pretty good. This is always my favorite pod, Chad, the mailbag time. I, I hope uh, Broncos country is excited, too, and we're ready to dive more into uh, Broncos-related questions tonight. How about you? So far, so good. A little bit of a fender bender for me yesterday, but mm, uh, yeah. lived to fight another day. Everything's okay. Don't worry about me or my car. Everything's cool. Insurance going to cover that. Um, but, you know, you're right. These mailbags, this is the the episode we've always looked forward to since we partnered up on the podcast. And yes. since we really started focusing on doing each and every episode live simulcast on YouTube and Facebook, it's been really fun to engage with our listeners in real time each and every episode. But we still have a special place in our heart for these mile high mailbag days. Yeah, for sure. They're always going to be staples of our programming. And I see Broncos fans are already coming into the room tonight, Chad. It's already filling up pretty quickly. So what's up, Jerry? We see you. What's up, Larry? Travis, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Football game tonight. Colts and the Texans. Who does everyone have in tonight's game? I, I'm taking – I like the Texans in this game. I like Deshaun Watson getting the better of Brissett in this game. What about you? Yeah, I got to take I got to take Houston in this one. Yeah. But, you know, the Broncos, they had the Colts. They they mm. had them on the ropes. If Vaughn Miller sacks Jacoby Brissett, it's Too game soon. over. Too it's soon. Safety. Maybe it is. A little bit. But, the wound's still pretty fresh. You know, the Broncos, here's the thing, and, and then just in a couple weeks, they'll take on the Texans in Houston, but right. the Broncos have really hung tough against a really tough schedule. Strength of schedule-wise, we knew going into the season, it was the second toughest strength of schedule behind only the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, they've, with the exception of that Chiefs game, which oddly enough is the one game you think they had would have had a chance to win knowing that Pat Mahomes got bounced early. Hmm. Outside of that game and maybe the the Green Bay Packers game week three on the road, you know, the Broncos have hung tough, Zach, against some really tough opponents. And I know that in this game there's no such thing as a moral victory, but sometimes you do have to, you know, kind of look for that underlying moral thread. And in that case, it tells me that, you know, the Broncos, they're onto something. They've got a foundation here that Fangio 
Vic Fangio has laid. We're going to talk a little bit about that foundation here in just a few minutes, but uh, that's encouraging at the very least. It's just a matter of still, Zach, they've got to figure out the quarterback. Yeah, I'm not big on hashtag moral victories either, Chad, but it's it speaks to the quality of the Broncos roster in a sense. It also speaks to the quality of the Broncos coaching staff because how many times last year were the Broncos blown out of games or even 2017 under Vance Joseph? So the fact that the Broncos maybe not winning the games they're supposed to win right now or have a chance to win, they're competitive in all these games. That means something. We have a lot to get to tonight. We're looking forward to hearing what your questions are. Costa, we see your question, and anyone, we'll, we'll get to your questions here in just a few minutes. Um, first, just a couple of quick reminders, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time, at Huddle Up Pod. And a lot of you, more and more, each and every day, you're funneling over and you're following the show, and the, the numbers are growing there. So we appreciate each and every one of you. But that's the best way to stay in touch with what's going on. And not just when we go live, but programming issues, giveaways, all that stuff you want to make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, before we get to what's on the minds of our phenomenal listeners here tonight, Let's uh, touch on, I wanted to get your thoughts on what Rich Gangarello had to say today at the podium. Of course, Rich Gangarello, along with defensive coordinator Ed Donatel, every Thursday they meet with the media and we get to talk to them. We get to hear what they have to say. And uh, today, of course, this was media's first opportunity to talk to Rich Gangarello, who it, he might not have been referenced directly, but in the Jason Lock and Fora takedown hit piece on Vic Fangio that came out Sunday morning while the Broncos woke up in Minneapolis to take on the Vikings. They wake up to this bombshell report in which Vic Fangio was portrayed as a domineering, overbearing, you know, head coach, bumbling around, meddling, <laughs> failing to connect with his players and his assistants. There was an anecdote shared by Lock and Four in the piece that said that you know, he, he's on the headsets during games and commenting negatively on every play Rich Gangarello calls down and, you know, a lot of back and forth between those two. And so this was our first chance to hear from Scangarello on that topic. And, of course, we've heard from multiple players since then who have all closed ranks around Vic Fangio, said that it's all unfounded. And, of course, as you bring up, Zach, as devil's advocate, that what do you expect him to say? However, yeah. coming out of that such a debilitating – debacle of a loss where they squandered a 20-point lead at halftime and ended up losing. If there was going to be an opportunity where someone maybe says something off the cuff because they're overly emotional or down in the dumps, it would have been after that game. 
And to a man, all of the Broncos players, when asked about this issue, they closed ranks around Fangio and basically refuted the lock and four report. But what did Rich Scangarello say? Here's here's what he said specifically when asked about his uh, if there's any veracity to the Jason lock and four report. Quote, farthest thing from the truth. He's been great, Vic. He's helped me grow as a coach, and I think everyone in this building respects him as a man and his leadership. We know we're going to win a championship under Vic. That's the goal, and that's what we're fighting for, close quote. And he went on, Zach, one more quote I want to run by you here, uh, on how much he and Fangio dialogue during the games, okay? Quote, I don't think it's any more than anywhere else, meaning anywhere else around the league, other teams, the head coach is always going to have to make decisions during the course of a game. This is no more than anywhere else. Close quote. Your take on what Scangarello said regards to the lock and four report. Exactly what you said earlier, that what else is he supposed to say? This is a rookie coordinator, a, f- a first-year coach in his position, who Scangarello, who Fangio, excuse me, gave his opportunity to. He's not going to go out and badmouth them. It's... I like the fact that the Broncos coaches and players are like are showing a sign of solidarity here. They are as closing the ranks as you say around this report, but I don't expect them to deny anything. I don't expect them to uh, to affirm that. I don't expect them to admit that. It's not right. the truth. I wouldn't deny there's some validity to this report. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire in the NFL, and I'm sure with the Broncos and the losing seasons, there's some truth to it, but I don't think Scangarello, of all players, of all coaches, of all people in that building, is going to go to lock and four and start running his mouth. Maybe it was a former player like Emmanuel Sanders, but I, I don't think it's Scangarello, but I'm also not surprised of what he said to this, yeah. to this report. John Elway, in his conversation with Logan and Lewis on KOA Radio earlier this week, in fact, I think it was yesterday, it was on Wednesday, his, the day he does it each and every week, he made it sound like he believes that these anonymous sources that he called BS, by the way, that they were former Broncos, whether players or coaches, they're former Broncos who are chewing on some sour grapes, got an ax to grind. Right. And of course, they're, they're going to be bitter towards the Broncos one way or another. But here's where the plot kind of thickens a little bit, Zach. We learned on Wednesday, Jason Lockenfora himself appeared on the Stokely and Zach show on 104.3 The Fan. And one, I mean, it was mostly him just kind of defending each and every premise he laid forth in that article. However, one thing that I took away from that conversation is he said that the three sources that he kept anonymous, one of which he quoted in the piece um, verbatim, but he said that they reached out to him unsolicited. He didn't try and find them. They reached out to him, which makes it sound a little bit more plausible that this might have been. You know, not him digging around, calling it his sources in Denver, trying to dig up dirt, trying to create something. But if he's just a dude, you know, in the office, hanging out, the phone rings, hey, with a Jason, whatever, <laughs> you guys want to talk about what's happening, you know, it makes you at least give gives you pause to kind of consider what what might be going on. It does, and I like I said, he's a veteran reporter. He doesn't have the best track record, Lock and Fora, but he knows at least some people within the Broncos building, and I'm not going to deny that this report, or I'm not going to confirm that it's 100% false. There's probably some truth to it. I just don't think Scangarello is going to come out and run to him and pick up the phone. I don't think Elway is the one that's going to do that and badmouth Vic Fangio, his first-year coach, and undermine the guy. It's got to be someone with an axe to grind. It's got to be someone that was given a reason. could be Joe Flacco, for all that matters. You know, It could be Emmanuel Sanders could be a keep to leap. There's been so many people in the Broncos building that are no longer in the Broncos building. Could be Gary Kubiak. There could be so many other sources out there 
We don't know who it is, but I really heavily doubt Scangarello is the one flapping his gums. Yeah, I mean, and for what it's worth, I mean, I think there's here, – here's my opinion. Now, this is only a theory. This is opinion. This isn't fact. Okay, this is my take on this. I think there is a reason Emmanuel Sanders was featured and focused on so much in that article. Yeah, I think some there. of this came from Sanders, all right? Yeah. I'm just going to be frank and honest with you. And I'm not alone in that. We are not alone in that, okay, Zach and I. Many people in the know in Denver media are of the same opinion. So there's there's some truth to it in terms of that's the way Vic has been perceived by some people. But I don't think it's necessarily the story. I think overall, Vic Fangio, you know, the, this team has had to kind of acclimate to his way of doing things. He's changed the schedule on him. He's done some things that are a little bit different than what guys are used to. And I'm sure it ruffled some feathers along the way. But I do think this is a case of, you know, making a mountain out of a molehill. There might have been forks in the road, and this is a competitive game. I mean, we're talking about football and in the NFL at the pro level, emotions are going to run high. Guys are going to fire at each other. Anybody who played organized tackle football knows that even your coaches who love each other, you'll see them at times going at it and battling and arguing with each other because emotions run high, and that's what, you know, the spirit of competition brings out in people. I'm sure, Zach, there have been times this year where there have been hot things said in the moment over the headset or even in practice or on the sidelines. But as Scangarello said today, nothing any more than happens on any given Sunday across the NFL with each of the 32 teams. And I will say this, if that report came out on Sunday morning, if the Broncos would have upset the Vikings, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, Chad. That wouldn't even be a topic. But because they lost that game and because they lost in such uh, brutal fashion, a lot of it was coaching, we're talking about it now. But you're right, it's it's a bigger issue because the Broncos' record is what it is. This doesn't come out. When with teams with winning records with good coaches, it's just it's a a fact of the situation. It's a symptom of being three and seven. Exactly. Perfect. Um, But let's see what's on the mind of our listeners. This is the Mile High Mailbag. We are your football priests, and each and every week, Zach and I are here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And Zach, we got to start first with our awesome donors on Super Chat. Let me grab everybody here. Robbie Nuns, Nunzi, he says. And by the way, $60 donation on Super Thank Chat. You, Thank you, bro. He says, possible tinfoil hat thinking. Is there any chance Elway steps down after the year if things don't turn around? Mm-hmm. I've talked to a couple of people who think this is possible. What are your thoughts from Nunzi? Zach, my take, and then I'm going to serve this over to you just short and sweet. People don't fire themselves, and especially right. people making many millions of dollars and in right. high positions of power. Yes. Yeah. I he he has too big of a of a stake in the Broncos franchise. He could be angling for maybe an ownership uh, stake in the, in the in the Broncos. We don't know what his plans are just yet. There's been rumors about that. But I would be stunned. I would eat my hat on camera, Chad, if yeah. he walked away from the Broncos. He is going to have that job. It's his. It's a multi million dollar a year job as long as he wants it. At least until the Broncos have stable ownership, and that could be another one, two, three, five years. So as long as he's in that situation with only. Joe Ellis above him, technically, I think he's pretty safe. He's not going to walk away from that. And I think John Elway, the competitor, I mean, he hates losing. We it's it's become almost a, you know, it's a it's a it's a trope, it's a cliche. It's like we know how competitive John Elway is. And even though it doesn't necessarily mean he's the right man to turn the ship around, nothing's motivating this man more right now than how bad the Broncos have been the last few years, and he wants to be the guy to turn it around. He's not going to walk away at the penultimate moment with the team still in the lurch, in that transition, in limbo, unless it's taken away from him, unless the the Pat Bowen Trust 
or a new owner, if Brittany Bowen steps in, makes a decision, that's the only way John Elway steps down. And then I think eventually he's got an exit plan. I don't know exactly what it is, but it it's not going to be something he does. He'll want to go out the same way he left as a player, all right, at the from, from the top. top of the mountain. Yep. So Big Daddy Kane chipping in with a $20 donation on Super Appreciate Chat. You. Great friend of the show. Awesome donor here chipping in. Appreciate you, bro. And then Stuart McPeak. Arguably <laughs> the uh, most consistent donor on Super Chat. Thank you, Stu. You are the man. We appreciate you, Stu. Um, and that's the best way. Well, we the way the stream works, we see those. They light up in color. We're not going to miss the Super Chat. If you want to get your questions in, ensure we don't miss them. Here's one from Larry. Consistent also on each, every show. He's hanging out with us live. He says, should we embrace the tank and try to get a higher first-round pick? I don't like the idea of rolling over. But at this point, why not? And Zach, you brought this up after the Minnesota Vikings collapse that, hey, silver lining, you know, the Broncos season's over anyway. Now it's all about, you know, getting the the best out of the draft as you possibly can position wise. I said this last year, too, before the Broncos went on that that late season winning streak that almost saved Vance Joseph's job. I mean, the only thing that can happen at this point with the Broncos unofficially mathematically eliminated from postseason contention is to lose as many games as possible. It ensures a higher draft pick and ensures that changes that need to be made will be made. From quarterback to personnel to coaching, the only thing winning is going to do is give John Elway a false sense of hope and security, and maybe he wouldn't make those changes. Maybe he wouldn't fire Tom McMahon. Maybe he wouldn't go after a quarterback. We and He needs the high draft positioning, too. That's the biggest silver lining here. So you never want to root for the Broncos to lose or hope they're going to tank any games, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, Chad, if they kept right. losing and that kept happening. To me, the worst possible thing that could happen is they, you know, they, they they beat Minnesota, they beat Buffalo, they go on a little bit of a run, and Elway believes and fools himself into thinking that Allen, that Brandon Allen's the right. answer, continues to kick the Drew Lock can down the road, and that brings up what our friend Jacob, longtime listener, great friend of Mile High Huddle, uh, says here: I'm a little exhausted of the Drew Lock talk. He should be starting, but alas, you know, basically, what are you going to do? Charge it to the game. We've talked about it till we're all blue in the face. How do we see the Broncos playing this Sunday against Buffalo? And Zach, before we answer the question, I want to speak to that. We're sick of talking about it too, Jacob. We really are. Like, especially when you're trying to rationalize and understand an issue that does not make sense, it makes you feel like a crazy person. And I'm sure all of you guys are the same way with us. We're like trying to wrap our heads around something that is literally inexplicable. There's no explanation for it that makes sense that you can rationalize and understand logically. And so, there is a fatigue, I think, on the in the fan base that Jacob's speaking to. It's not just you, Jacob. I think overall fans are tired of this. They, you know, what's there left to say? We'll start talking about Drew Locke when he plays type thing. But it's still an issue, and Vic Fangio's talking about it every day. So we're going to continue to probably have to address it, and we will. But, Zach, how do you think the Broncos are going to look this week on the road, East Coast time, upstate New York, another early start? How do you think this team's going to look in Buffalo? Well, I don't want to add to the Drew Lock talk, but I want to kind of echo what you just said, Chad, that we're left in the dark here. We've been led astray for since he's been drafted pretty much. So we don't want to speculate. We don't want to guess, but the Broncos are giving us nothing to work with, and we still feel like it's important to discuss the potential quarterback of the future to this franchise. In terms of the game in Buffalo, we talked about it before we started the uh, live stream tonight, Chad. I don't think the battle of the Allens, Josh Allen versus Brandon Allen, is going to yield much offense in this game. To me, I see a big-time defensive struggle. I think the Buffalo home field advantage could be the difference in this game, but I'm thinking maybe 12-9 type game, 16-10, a very low-scoring game, very hard-fought game in the end. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. You know, I think both Zach and I are going to save our picks and predictions for the Mile High Roundtable tomorrow that you guys can look for, the written version. I'm going to save mine anyway, the specific pick anyway and the specific score. But here's what I'll tell you for now. Here's a little tease. I wouldn't be surprised if this, where they ended up falling just short against Minnesota, Zach and a seven and three team at the time, Buffalo Bills also seven and three now, where they fell short in Minnesota. I mean, again, they're proven against quality teams, playoff caliber teams. They can hang. This is a second year quarterback. I think Vic Fangio is going to throw some things at him that he hasn't seen before. I think you're going to see a stronger, more consistent defensive performance. And I think it's going to come down to can the offense make the plays? It wouldn't surprise me if we see the Denver Broncos pull out a an unlikely win on the road in uh, in Buffalo. But here's Travis, longtime listener to the show. He also was a guy that listened to a uh, big fan of what Zach did at, on the Facebook Lives back in the 24-7 sports days. Travis says, what do we need to come back home with a win on Sunday? I think the biggest key, Zach, for the Broncos to emerge with a win is they can't allow those big strike plays on defense. And the other thing is they got to keep the offensive momentum rolling, what they've been able to establish with Brandon Allen under center. you got to tip your cap to him. He has exceeded expectations, but those big plays, the chunk plays, the splash plays that put him either in that score or put him in scoring position, they need some more of those on the road. They need some of that magic. I'm not worried about the Broncos' defense in this game. I think they can and will contain Josh Allen in that Buffalo offense. It's not very hard to do. My only concern going into Buffalo in a very uh, tough environment against a very good defense is the Broncos' offense. Like every other game, Chad, it always comes down to the Broncos' offense. If they can put up points in this game, get into the end zone, not settle for field goals, not miss field goals, they can get solid play out of Garrett Bowles, they can win this game. I didn't necessarily predict the Broncos' loss. I'm just thinking it's going right. to be a very, very low-scoring, defensive-oriented game. Right. And if the Broncos can just do enough on offense, they can pull off the upset here. Russell says, <clears throat> what's up, fellas? Let me kick it off with a tough question. What positions do we look at for first few rounds of the draft, and which positions do we want more, more veteran free agents? Zach, focusing on the draft talk, I remain at this stage. I mean, we're almost three-quarters of the way through the season. I think the Broncos need to focus on offensive line and cornerback because I think best-case scenarios, it's a 50-50 coin flip whether or not Chris Harris returns next year. And so let's just assume he's gone just for the sake of conversation Maybe you get Bryce Callahan finally back next year, and that helps your depth a little bit. 
Maybe Devontae Bosby returns to the same form you had him this year before he injured his neck. Those are two big ifs, though. As it stands, the Broncos' depth at corner is, I mean, you got Devontae Harris who giveth and taketh away. Same can be said for Duke Dawson. So I think they need to focus on offensive line cornerback. Uh, quarterback something that I think they need to kick down the road one more year until they know something about Drew Locke. I would add a wide receiver on there, maybe a game-breaking, speedy wide receiver. They can do a lot of damage on the open market, Chad. They're going to have a lot of money to play around with. But like we talked about on yesterday's pod, they have to take care of the in-house free agents first. That's Chris Harris, potentially. That's Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris, Bill from the trenches. And that's why I'm right with you there. Offensive line is priority number one in the whole offseason, free agency and the draft. That is what they have to target the most because whoever they're going to put back there, Drew Locke or, or Burrow or Herbert, it's not going to matter if they can't protect him. Jerry's sentiment that the Broncos are so much better than their 3-7 and seven record, I, I think that's true. You know, They have hung with the tough teams, as I've said, but I am one of those who subscribes to the Bill Parcells school of thought on this topic, and that is you are what your record says you are. Yep. They're a team that has, you know, they're a close but no cigar team. And eventually they need to get that cigar, Zach. In fact, Brian here says he's still thinking of the cigar. If the Broncos win their last six games, they have an 82% chance to make the postseason. I'm not saying I want that to happen, but that must be the way Elway is looking at it. And yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, they're going to wait to see how uh, Brandon Allen hangs in this second consecutive tough game on the road and reevaluate the quarterback situation next week. And I wouldn't be surprised if they activate Drew Locke, not this coming Saturday, but the Saturday after. That might have been Elway's burner account, Chad, because no way are the Broncos <laughs> winning their last six games and making the playoffs. Guys, if they blew a 20-point lead at Minnesota, they that game should have showed one thing. They're not worthy of being in the playoffs this year. They're not a playoff-caliber team this year. They are just short of that. They have a ways to go before getting back into the postseason. You can hope for a win. You can hope they win out, and you can hope they do good. It's, it's going to feel good for a Broncos fan, but in the long-term sustainability of the Broncos franchise, it's not going to do them a whole lot of justice, missing the playoffs more than likely with supposedly a winning record. Jerry says, does Locke have to be activated within a week to get to play this year? I'm not sure exactly what you mean, but the, the strictures on Locke is – this is his second week of practice since they activated him on the practice field for, as an injured reserve player. He gets the rest of this week and the rest of next week before the Broncos have to decide whether or not to put him on the 53. But they can activate him at any point and play him at any point, Zach. There's no deadline or timetable on that side of the things in terms of governing the Drew Locke situation. Yeah, it's it's a murky case for fans to understand. But like Chad said, they can you can be the starter this Sunday if they if you want. They can make it at any time, but they have to in their estimation, take it slow with Drew Locke and slow play this as much as possible. So we have to just have to hope he's the backup next week going into the following week's game. Rebel Dipstick says, a team gets its identity from the head coach. You can't win consistently when you fire the head coach after only a year or two. Do you think Vic is our guy? Zach, I'll say this. I'm more inclined at this stage, even at 3-7, and seven, based on what I've seen. The question is, are they heading in the right direction as a team? And my considered opinion is they are headed in the right direction. They, they still need another draft and free agency hall that fits in line with what Vic wants to do defensively and offensively, fitting the personnel to the scheme. That'll help and make a big difference. And hopefully not injury prone players like the Broncos did last year. I mean, they made three on the surface, great free agent pickups in Kareem Jackson, Juwan James and Bryce Callahan, 
but two of those three combined for just 32 snaps, and one of them we haven't seen so far this year. So if Vic Fangio and John Elway working together, they, they continue to stock the cupboards that fits his scheme and Scangarello's scheme, and Drew Locke is what they think he might be, at least what I believe they think he might be, yeah, I think Vic Fangio, the Broncos could be something in 2020, but so much of it hinges on Drew Locke. At the end of the day, I do think – I'm more inclined at this stage, though, Zach, to answer the question that Vic is the guy, but it's still an open-ended deal, not enough information quite yet to make a, a ultimate determination. But he's not a one-and-done guy, that's for sure. That, that was what I was going to say. If we're grading Vic Fangio, he gets an incomplete right now. It's only 10 games. We can't judge the guy based on that. He looks like he has the makings of a good coach. He also has some bad qualities he has to get rid of too. But he's a rookie coach going through rookie growing pains. I, I'm inclined to agree with Chad. He has shown more good than bad. He's gotten this defense back to playing near an elite level. Um, he brings a lot to the table as a or respected coach. He just has to get down um, the, the player relatability issues, getting the right personnel in the locker room that can mesh with his culture and his style. Once that happens, and it takes more time on the job for that to happen, you're going to see a better product on the field. I absolutely agree Fangio should get at least two, three years. He's not a Vance Joseph. I think he brings a lot more to the table. Yeah, I mean, he is competent. He knows what he's doing. He might be a first-year head coach, first time at 61 years old. He's a first-time head coach, but he's not bumbling around – you know, is everyone always is learning on the job. All right. That's, that goes without saying, but he's not, the learning curve is not as steep for him as it was for Vance Joseph. Let me just put it that way. Adon says, do you believe the new offensive scheme is slowly phasing out Freeman and leaning more on Lindsay? I don't think it's so much a scheme thing, to be honest with you. I think it's just more of a, you know, when they're between the twenties, it's, it's Freeman. And when they get into the end zone or the red zone, I should say, it feels like they try to lean a little bit more on Philip Lindsay, hence the touchdown differential between those two, which is actually counterintuitive, Zach, because you would think Freeman is the guy they would want to rely on in the on the goal line, especially considering how many touchdowns he scored in the Pac-12 at Oregon and just the nose he has for the end zone. But uh, they like they like Lindsay there, and I don't think it's a scheme thing. I think it's a hey, we've got one Pro Bowler on the offensive side of the ball, and guess what? It's Philip Lindsay. Right, and you would think he would do that, but you would also think that Scangarello would call outside plays for Lindsey and inside plays for Royce Freeman, and it seems like they're getting them mixed up. There was actually a report that came out before the Vikings game that said Lindsey's going to get the lion's share of reps in that game. He out-touched Freeman, but it wasn't a massive differential. Freeman is still a staple of this offense, Chad, and like we talked about in preview before the season, he's still going to be a focal point. It's still a running back by committee, even though technically Lindsey is the 1A. He, it's not scheme, it's just like Chad intimated, it's just what's so Travis wants to know if we see Drew Locke playing next Sunday if by next Sunday you mean this Sunday against the Bills no if you mean next Sunday at home against the Chargers Zach I think there's a chance that that could still happen um, but it's going to be contingent 100% on not only whether or not the Broncos win this week in Buffalo but what form of, of you know how their performance shakes out do they go yes. into this game and completely crap the bed yes or is it another competitive venture where they just come short come up short I could see Locke getting kicked down the road but next week's going to be the 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 crapper get off the pot window because this is the last week per NFL rules that he can practice without being on the 53 um here's one from Jerry if they had to free up a spot to activate Locke who do you think it would uh be put on the shelf at this stage that uh I, I that's a good question they have so many bottom of the roster players on you know they can deal with uh, Beck was one after they signed Orson Charles. They can get rid of – it's just any guy they want to uh, cut. I don't have a specific name in mind, Chad. 
I don't know about you. Yeah, I think um, honestly, I think it's going to be Orson Charles. It could be one of the backup tackles who who Calvin Anderson would could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. They could try and sneak him onto the practice squad. There, uh, his name just escaped me. I'm sorry. The defensive lineman they signed that hasn't even been given a number yet or a jersey. Same with Calvin Anderson. But there's there's a trio of guys who are candidates for that. But it wouldn't surprise me that you know they're going to use this week to see how well Orson Charles kind of retakes to the scheme see how he looks and decide whether or not they want to hold on to him and use someone else uh, for Ro- Drew Locke's roster spot or, you know, ditch him and stick with Andrew Beck as that that fullback. Yeah, it's it shouldn't be a no-brainer. I mean, anyone they get rid of here from the bottom of the roster on this 53, it could be Jake Rogers, anyone they get rid of here, um, they, they could – they have to do it for the sake of their franchise quarterback, potentially. So whoever it is, it's just a pink slip that is just a, uh, an inevitability in the NFL. All right, guys. Well, listen, I apologize. I don't know what's going on with uh, our technical issue here. I'm hearing that it's cleared up, but on my end, maybe it's me. And uh, I could try Xing out and coming back in like you did, Zach. Yeah. Since we're logged in on the same account, maybe uh, maybe I'll try that. Worst case scenario, right. guys. If this ends up cutting off the uh, the broadcast, and we've never done this before where I exit out and I come back in, if it ends up cutting off the broadcast, let me just thank each and every one of you for joining us here tonight. Um, actually, now it's it's fine. Maybe we'll just finish this thing out. I apologize, you guys. We'll we'll figure this out for the next episode. But um, one more here, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Zach from Russell, he says, what do we think of the fullback signing? Also, where did Harris come from this week? He has always been a, a beast, but do we see him – having another big performance week to week. I'm speaking specifically, I'm sure of Shelby who had three sacks on the road in Minnesota. Zach and I are pretty ambivalent to the Orson Charles Mm -hmm. uh, signing. I was of the opinion that they should have just held that in check for Drew Locke. Like this is Andy Janovich's spot is no more. We're going to save that for next week when we get Drew Locke or just activate Drew Locke. Now, I don't know what they're waiting for because it's (laughs) not like they're going to keep him on the shelf. They've practiced him. He's healthy. They're even exposing him to the media they would suffer, Zach, an enormous crap storm if they decided not to activate Locke at this stage. So what, you know, why, why, why delay it? Just, you know, you don't have to start him. You don't even have to make him the backup, but activate him and get that going. But yeah, Orson Charles, it's one of those take it or leave it type situations. I'd be surprised if he's on the team longer than a couple of weeks. And um, other than that, Shelby Harris, he's starting to get into, into his own, Zach. Yeah, I hate the Charles move. They had Andrew Beck on the roster who plays fullback and tight end. You're getting two players for one there, and you just need a guy on running situations to replace Janovich. So I don't agree with that move at all. Uh, It's another one in Elway's long history. In terms of Shelby Harris, that's why he's priority number two to me over Chris Harris Jr. behind Justin Simmons. He has done week in and week out, year in and year out, scheme in and scheme out. He just balls. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. He's a great player in that front seven, and you win in the trenches on defense. Him, young talent. Him, Shelby Harris. You have Demarcus Walker. You have uh, Draymond Jones. That's a nice core to have in case you lose Derek Wolf to free agency, retirement, whatever. You have young pieces to step up, and that's what they lagged post-Super Bowl. So absolutely, big Shelby Harris fan. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to cut this pot a little bit short tonight because I think it is on my end, and I just don't want to roll the dice and give you guys a crappy product from a uh, technical perspective. So big thanks to everyone who joined us tonight on the podcast and, of course, massive mile-high salute to our Super Chat donors. You guys keep it consistent each and every night we're here. You guys are supporting the show. Thank you. That's going to allow Zach and I to continue to do so many cool things, not only from – yeah, not only from – 
you know, bringing you the content and having the time and the means to do that. But as we've shown you, we've got some merch things we're working up and those donations yeah. add up and allow us to do all those cool things for our great listeners. So Zach, man, we'll, uh, you have yourself a great weekend, my brother, and we'll circle back of course for the gut reaction yeah. immediately following the bills game. You too. Have a nice weekend, Chad. Hopefully that game, we have a lot to talk about one way or the other. All right, guys, thanks for bearing with us tonight on these uh, technical difficulties on the back end of this episode. Stay tuned. There will be a new episode of Building the Broncos waiting for you guys on the podcast on Saturday. And then I'm sure the Dove Valley Deep Diver guys have something cooking for you as well. So stay tuned for that. More podcasts coming from Mile High Huddle before we get to the Bills game. We'll see how the Broncos look. And don't forget to check the site tomorrow, milehighhuddle.com, for the roundtable to see our specific picks and predictions from Zach and I. And uh, we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. We'll see how it goes. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.